collab with Murray County Public Schools and the Big Yellow School Bus. You're listening to Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee. You're listening to Bulletproof Estate Planning, the show where you gain clarity and understanding about such things as last will and testament, the probate process, trusts, and how not to lose everything you own to the high cost of the nursing home. Now here's your host, Estate Plan Stan. Hey, good day to you. Hey, you're listening to Bulletproof Estate Planning with your host, Estate Plan Stan. I am Stan Prochowski with Prochowski Estate Law, Prochowski Elder Law, located on the square in beautiful downtown Pulaski, Tennessee. Bulletproof Estate Planning is the show where we talk about all things estate planning. We talk about last wills and testament. We talk about revocable living trust, special needs trust, asset protection trust, and 10 care planning to help keep you from going broke in the nursing home. Hey, as always, I always encourage questions. And this show is all about education on what your options are. So if you have a question, you can call me at 931-363-7222. Or you can go to my website at estateplanstand.com. There you can find my email and my phone number, and you can ask you know by sending me, sending an email if you want. Hey, I always enjoy doing this show here on Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7 in Columbia, Tennessee. This is Episode 2 of Bulletproof Estate Planning. And just for future reference, all my episodes are posted as podcasts on the WKOM website. So if you ever miss one or you want to go back and review a topic, it's there for you to go to. All right. Hey, just a real quick personal note. Uh, Last week was Easter weekend, and I had all my family was visiting. And the uh, news I wanted to share was uh, I have one grandchild who's about a year and a half old, and I was found out that there is another one on the way. So, hey, come November, first week of December or so, uh, my daughter will have another one. So that's exciting news, and we're, we were all excited to hear that. So, all right, listen, real quick, uh, I want to go over the seminars that are coming up, uh, see if you want to come to them. Uh, we got one coming up on April the 22nd. Now, that's a week from Saturday. That's a Saturday uh, seminar, which we usually do those at 10 o'clock in the morning. And that one's going to be located at the WLX radio station, or in the back of that radio station in uh, Lawrenceburg. It's called the Country Cafe. Uh, Again, 10 o'clock on April 22nd, uh, WLX radio station. We call the seminar Wills, Trust, and the Nursing Home. Next one coming up is going to be uh, May the 24th, which is a Wednesday, we're going to be doing that at 1 o'clock up there in Columbia. So it's, it's at the 405 West 7th Street. It's a church meeting hall, and uh, we've been invited to come there. So uh, Wednesday, the 24th, at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, Will's Trust in the Nursing Home, 405 West 7th Street. Uh, if you want to RSVP to those, just call my office at 931-363-7222 and get on the RSVP list. If you hadn't been to one of my live seminars, you probably ought to consider it because I get a lot of great reviews about them, uh, a lot of information. Uh, uh, 
this is only episode two here on uh, Front Porch Radio, but I want to tell you a little bit about my seminars, and that is they're about an hour, hour and 15 minutes long. And it is not the kind of webinar you're expecting. I mean, you're not going to come, get a free meal, we sit and talk and give you this big old sales pitch of what all we can do. Huh? Not like that at all. My seminars are jam-packed with fact and knowledge. As a matter of fact, the the girls in my office refer to that seminar as a fire hose of information. And that's what it is, and that's what it needs to be. So if this kind of topic, this how not to go broke in a nursing home, this 10-care planning so that you don't lose everything, this estate planning and trust writing to avoid probate, if any of these kind of topics that we talk about on these this Bulletproof Estate Planning Show are con- of a concern to you, you have questions about them, and you want answers to those questions. You don't want a bunch of frou-frou sales pitches and stuff like that. Come to the seminar, and that's what we talk about. You know, if you like what we talk about and you want to go forward, of course, you know, that's what we do for a living here at Prochowski Estate Law, Prochowski Elder Law. Give us a call, and we'll see if we can go forward. If it's, if it's not a fit, then it, that's okay, too. We'll still be friends. <laughs> you know, have some refreshments, and uh, we'll still be friends. Uh, it has to be a fit for you. And how are you going to pick a fit for you or your family if you don't have or you cannot make an informed decision based on what the options are and what the different options do, okay? That's what we're all about. I call them free educational seminars, but the focus is on the word educational, not free. Uh, Focus is on educational. That's what we're trying to do, give you informed information so that you can make an informed, intelligent decision that you think is a good fit for your family. You don't need me to tell me what's good for your family. That's, that's what you want to do. I'm just here to help you through what the different options are and what you can you know, pick and which way you can go. So, All right, listen, let's get into it. Last week, I kind of went over, it was our first episode, it was sort of an introductory um, episode. I told, told you a little bit about me, and that's about all I'm going to say about me. If you want to know anything more, call. I'll be glad to tell you. But uh, we're going to get into uh, the beginning of this. Uh, we're going to talk about a last will and testament, okay? And that might take all episode. I think we might get it done in one episode, but if not, we'll just pick up where we left off in the next one as we progressively move through different topics. But we're going to start kind of from the beginning, and a good place to start uh, is with, you know, one of the options, which is doing a last will and testimony. Now, remember, remember, I said last week, I said there's, you know, several questions that you might be asking, you know, something like, uh, uh, who's going to take care of my family if I'm gone? Okay. Who's going to get all my stuff? You know, my, my, uh, I, I coined the phrase stuff. Okay. Who's going to get my stuff? You know, who's going to take care of me if I'm incapacitated, that kind of stuff. But I also told you that, um, you know, who's going to make those decisions. And I told you those decisions are going to be made whether you make them or not. The big question is who's going to make them. Is it going to be you? Now, during life, when you had the sound and presence of mind to make them and make them the way you want, or are you going to not make them and end up being somebody in the courthouse here across the street on the square who doesn't know you, doesn't know your values, doesn't know your family, making those decisions for you? And I said it's, I'm sure, for 99% of the people, it's more attractive for you to make them that way you know what you want done is going to get done, okay? And if somebody else makes them what you want done, it's probably not going to be done, 
Okay, so that's the whole point. That's the, that's the, that's the overall grand solution we're trying to come up with, the problem we're trying to solve. We want to do it. We want it to be done our way. It's our stuff, right? It's our stuff. It's our family. This is our worldly possessions, our love for our family. These are the people we want to take care of. We want to keep them out of probate. We want to make their lives easier. We don't want to be a burden on them after we die. And we want to pass on what we got to them. At least that's most people's approach. Uh, Yours may be a little different, but whatever your plan is, that's what you want done. So that's, like I said, that's the overall problem we want to solve and that's the generalized solution. So let's talk about all the different options. Now, this is going to spread into several weeks, several episodes of Bulletproof Estate Planning. But you'll see it's kind of progressive as we move along. So uh, hang with me. Um, it's not too heavy. It's just a lot. And a lot of times it'll be things you've never heard of before. So I urge you, keep an open mind, all right? Uh, if you've heard something and I tell you something and it sounds different, don't, don't just cling to what you know because you know, be open to the fact that it may or may not be Exactly correct. Because I am aware of the misinformation that's out there, especially when it comes to 10 care and nursing home. I'm telling you what, when we get to that episode, I mean, I really need you to come in with a clean slate and you can be a dry sponge and just suck it all up um, because probably 99% of what you heard on the internet is wrong. Okay? And I don't, if you're being misled on this, you can make a very costly mistake. And we don't want to go down that road. So that's why we do this, to straighten this out. So, you know, some of these concepts will be brand new to you. You've never heard them before. They might be kind of spooky or a little scary or a little odd, the concepts. But trust me, this is what we do. This is what I do for a living. Been doing it for 10 years. Uh, plan on doing it for the next 10 or so. Um, so uh, stay with me on these things, even if it is new to you or different from what you've learned. Please, have an open mind. We want to be correct. We want knowledge. We want truth. We don't want what everybody else is talking about, right? Especially this day and age, man. You don't know what you're getting when you go on the news or listen to the internet. So, all right. The question is, what is a last will and testament, right? Okay, so uh, when you ask the question, what is one? I mean, some of you probably have one. Right? Some of you folks out there have a will. You know, statistically, 12% of you have one. What's called a last will and testament. The other 88% of you do not. Okay? That's statistically surprising, isn't it? But uh, anyway, that's, those are the statistics. Now, a will, a last will and testament, is what's called a non-operative document. Now, what I mean by that means it has no legal effect whatsoever. I mean, you can hold this thing in your hand. You can tear it up, you can burn it, you can write a new one, you can uh, crinkle it up and throw it away, you can have your grandchild draw on it. It has no legal authority until the moment of death. Now, that's what the word testament means. So when you say last will and testament, you know, if somebody tells you, hey, I'm the executor of my dad's estate, it's like, well, is your dad alive or dead? Oh, he's still alive. Well, you're not anything yet. You're not the executor of the estate until after death when this thing springs to life because it only springs it doesn't it's non-operative during his death <clears throat> and you know that you're not the executor until the court says you are we'll get to that but anyway so at the moment of death this will does it springs to life it has a springing power it springs to life and it be, now it becomes a valid legal document now when it when it does spring to life then this thing has one purpose and one purpose only and that is to convey property. 
I mean, conveying property is simply, you know, a change in ownership, right? But when you think about it, let's just think about this. How can a will convey property when the deceased is not here to convey it? I mean, that's a question that might pop into your mind, right? If you approach this systematically, uh, okay, you know, okay, I have a will. It says, let's take me, for example. You know, I got some acreage up there in the northeast corner of Giles County. Uh, and, it, you know, I, let's say I put it in my will that I leave my property, my real property, to my son. Okay? So we'll take my deed, for example. The deed is now, let's say the deed is deeded to me, Stan Prochowski, or to me and my wife, Stan and Tammy Prochowski, right? Now, how can a deed, let me back up a second. If I sold that property to my son or to anybody else, we would write a new deed. And the new deed would be from Stan Prochowski to, you know, John Doe, the person I'm selling it to, right? So if if I pass away and I say in my will that I give it to my son, how does this deed show a change of ownership from the deceased to the heir? Okay. I mean, I'm if I sell it, I'm here to sign the deed, right? Because it's my property, I own it, I'm selling it, I sign it, right? <laughs> I mean, it's really kind of a simple concept, straightforward. What, if I'm deceased, how can the property go to my son? How do we effect a new deed? Well, it can't, right? So we have to maintain what's called the chain of title. It has to remain intact. So the way this works is if you have a will, you have to go through this probate process. So what happens is the probate court creates this legal fiction. The legal fiction is called the estate of Stan Prochowski. And in there, in my will, I would have, you know, the court will appoint an executor, that somebody that I would have named in my will, to stand in my shoes or stand in the shoes of the deceased and convey the property. Which means my executor, let's say is my daughter, she will convey the property as the executor of the estate of Stan Prochowski to the new owner, which is going to be my son. Okay, see how that works? But in order for this to work... It has to involve the probate process. So, therefore, if you've got a last will and testament, by legal definition, you must go through the process of probate. Now, if you don't believe me, just, I mean, if you don't believe that, just Google the definition of probate. I mean, you're going to get something like the, you know, the proving or the establishing of a will. Okay? So, uh, sometimes I get folks come in and say, you know, I want to make a, um, a last will and testament and I want to make sure my family doesn't have to go through probate. Well, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but but if you have a last will and testament, then then you own your property in your individual name, and it has to be conveyed to your heirs by your state, and that is the process of probate. So here's a definition I'm going to ask you to memorize. Now, there's two of them throughout all my episodes that I will these not definitions, a concept that I will ask you to memorize. And the reason I do, they're very simple, but the reason I ask you to memorize these is because if you ever get hung up on your analysis and thinking about something and you go back to these basic fundamentals, it will help you understand. Promise. So here's the first one. Anything you pass away with titled in your individual name must go through probate. So if you go to my deed for my property and it says Stan Prochowski, the deed says, owner, Stan Prochowski. Me, the individual, right? 
by legal definition, that must pass through probate. We need the probate court to pass that because I'm not here to do it. And they got to create the estate of Stan Prochowski and, and to conduct that business. So when you think of the estate of someone, you know, the estate of Stan Prochowski is simply an extension of my life legally. You know, of course, you know, physically I'm gone, but legally and it's an extension of my life to conduct the business that's in my will and uh, sort of a clean up, cleaning up of things, right? It con- conveys my property because it's got to go somewhere. So it conveys my property for me through that court. Now, that is a probate is, you know, we're going to get into that here before too long. And that probate process is a court intervention system, adversarial, the whole nine yards. So, so if it's in your name, it's got to go through probate. Now, a question you might be asking yourself, well, gee, Stan, if it's not my name, who the heck's name would it be in? <laughs> That's a great question. So if you have that question, you are paying attention and you are coming along just right because we're going to get to that. Uh, that is part of the problem and that is also the solution. So um, stay with me on that and good job if you have actually thought of that already. So, all right, now when we talk about an estate here on planet Earth, I mean, there's only three possibilities that an estate can exist in. Now, of those three possibilities, there's really only two possible outcomes. Now, the first two possible outcomes are you either have a will-based plan or you have no will at all. Like I just said, that if you have a will, you're headed for probate. Now, if you're a, a couple, husband and wife, I mean, we have what you call the first death and the second death, right? I mean, I don't like those terms, but I can't really come up with a better one. And you know what I'm talking about, right? So with a husband and wife, I mean, there is rarely, okay, rarely a need to probate at the first death. I mean, the reason being that if you've been married for any length of time, typically all properties jointly owned. Um, real estate passes by right of survivorship here in Tennessee for husband and wife. You know, so everything, bank accounts are jointly held, you know. So oh, if everything's jointly held, there's no, you know, there's nothing in this, this deceased spouse's estate. That individual, the first one to die, right? It's all jointly held. So it passes by right of survivorship or right of co-ownership. But at the second death, Okay, when the second, now everything's in that person's name, probate is an absolute assurity with a last will and testament at the second death. Why? Because it is all in the name of the surviving spouse. Okay? All right. Now, we're going to, I just had been telling you that if you go through, I mean, if you have a will, if you've written a last will and testament, by definition, That goes through probate. All right, so we're going to talk about what happens if you don't have a will, okay? (laughs) If you don't have a will at all. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. We're coming up on the first break. So I'm going to pause for the uh, first break, and we'll be right back and talk some more about this concept of a last will and testament, what it is and what it does. Stay with me. I'll be right back.
Hello, WKOM and WKRM listeners. My name is Michael Parks Lawrence at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC in Columbia, Tennessee. Parks Motor Sales was founded by my grandfather, Robert Parks, and my great-grandfather, Julian Mays, in 1958, over 60 years ago. Being family-owned and operated, we invest in our community. You'll see our support everywhere you go. Schools, sports, band, and even charities. We invest in our community because we live here and we love this community. Come see me and my cousin, Robert Rogers, at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC right off Nashville Highway or visit us at parksmotorsales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. Hi, I'm Steve, the Garbage Man. Are you new to Murray County? We want to welcome you and your family. We are a local residential garbage service, and we want to be your garbage man. We've been around for over 30 years, so we have a reputation. Check us out at garbagemaninc.com or call Mike at 931-540-0919. You could also ask your neighbor. 931-540-0919. Do you suffer from knee pain? Is it painful to walk or perform your day-to-day activities? If so, we have great news at the Dr. Gill Center. We can relieve your knee pain fast and easy with no downtime and no surgery. The FDA has approved a new non-surgical treatment for knee pain, and it's covered by most major insurance, including Medicare. This treatment has helped millions of people across the nation. Call today to see if you qualify for a free consultation and get back to a pain-free life. 615-551-9224. Every morning, I park my car across the street from my business, and I can't wait to get in there. That's pretty common for small business owners. We have the added satisfaction, however, of guiding hundreds of families with their retirement, education, savings, and general investments. We're a locally owned business that tries very hard to simplify a complicated world. This is Monty Sneed from Caledonian Financial in Historic downtown Columbia. Securities and investment advisory services offered through NBC Securities Incorporated, member FINRA and SIPC. Each week on History's Hook, we'll be bringing you interesting and informative stories from the past in an effort to connect the history in our own backyard to the big events that compose national and world history. I'm your host, Tom Price. This is not your high school history class. We're going to make history fun and compelling. We're going to get you hooked. History's Hook with your host, Tom Price. Saturdays at 9 a.m. and 6 p.m. Right here on WKOM 101.7 FM Front Porch Radio. Join us for a journey through time. What's your favorite radio station? 101.7 WKOM. <laughs> You're listening to your local radio. All right. Hey, welcome back from the break. This is Stan Prochowski, Estate Plan Stan with Bulletproof Estate Planning. And listen, we were talking about this concept of a last will and testament. And I was telling you the kind of document it was and that, you know, how it conveys property and really just brings to life upon uh, the moment of death. 
And I was going to talk about what happens if you don't have a will. But before we do that, I do want to go over the different kinds of wills that you can have. Okay. Now, in the state of Tennessee, you know, you, you can construct a last will and testament. It re- basically recognizes three kinds. Okay. And, you know, like I said before, a, a will is a testamentary. It's a legal document that specifies how a person wants their property to be managed and distributed at their death. All right, so currently Tennessee recognizes three different types of wills. One is called an attested will. One is called a holographic will. And the third is a non-cooperative or oral will. Now, each of them have their own drafting and execution requirements that have to be followed. So I'm going to go over them kind of briefly just so you know. Uh, One thing I would like to tell people is a will does not have to be notarized. Now, that may surprise you. I get people all the time come in and say, hey, I got something written here down. My dad wrote this down. It's notarized and everything. It's his will. All right. It does not need to be notarized. It needs to be witnessed. Now, there is a notary on a will, but that's the notary of the witness's signatures for what they call a self-proving affidavit. So, all right, let's talk about the first and most common type of will. It's called a, a I call it a formally executed will, but uh, the law books call it an attested will. Um, these are the ones we're most familiar with, right? I mean, they're usually typed, they're signed, they're witnessed, that sort of thing. Yeah. There, you know, we hear the words last will and testament. Well, uh, Tennessee Code annotated 32-1-104, that dictates how an attested will is supposed to be executed. So I'm going to go through the requirements. Because if any one of these doesn't exist, it's fatal to the will. Okay, it must be signed by the testator and two witnesses. Okay, that's the key right there. It must be signed by the testator, the maker of the will, and two witnesses. The testator must signify to the witnesses that it is his or her will. Okay. The signature must be signed or acknowledged in front of two witnesses. The witnesses must sign in the presence of the testator, and the witnesses must sign in the presence of each other. So everybody's got to be in the same room at the same time. None of this business where a witness signs it at 1 o'clock and second one comes in at 5 o'clock and signs it. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And these particular requirements are the bare minimum when a court is trying to determine the validity of a will. And you'll, you'll notice that I made no mention. I was reading from the statute. So the statute makes no mention, zero, of signatures being notarized. The witnesses are being disinterested or specific language requirements, requirements when, when making a, a bequest, uh, none of them are strictly necessary is what I'm getting at. So uh, here's the thing. The witnesses all have to be in the same room in sight and presence. Let me go over how I do it. Pretty much what I do is I'll, I'll, make, I'll give a little speech. Everybody's in the room. And I'll say, okay, you are John and Jane Doe, correct? And you are purporting this to be your last will and testament. And you're doing so in the sight and the presence of two witnesses, which are witness A and witness B. And they're sitting there at the table too. Notice I use the language sight and presence, just like the statute says. Okay. Then I'll say, you know, and you are purporting in the presence of these two witnesses to be of sound mind and despising memory. And you, and you're, you are also purporting in the sight and the presence of these two witnesses are you going to be signing it in the sight and presence of the witnesses? Then I say, okay, the two witnesses are witness A and witness B, and they are going to be signing it in the sight and the presence of both you, the testator, the writer of the will, and each other. And that satisfies the will. All right, so 
Uh, just briefly, the only thing that is notarized in a formally executed will is there's a last page called the um, called the uh, self-proving affidavit of the witnesses. And the witnesses are answering those five questions. They said, yes, I was there in the sight and presence of each other, in the sight and presence of the testator. The testator um, said he was of sound mind and dispositive memory. And all those things, and then they sign an affidavit, which is like sworn testimony that that happened. And then the self-proving affidavit signed by the two witnesses is notarized. But the will itself does not require a notary. So, okay, that's the formally executed or the attested will. Next is a holographic will. Now, these are handwritten wills. And Tennessee, you know, does recognize handwritten wills, 32-1-105. I mean, the only formal requirement to establishing a, a valid holographic will and again, I'll, I'll read it from the statute. It has to be signed by the testator. Okay, he has to sign it. All the material provisions of the will must be in the handwriting of the testator. So no typing it, no half typed, half written. 100% in his handwriting, in material provisions of it. And the testator's signature must be proved by two witnesses. Okay? Now, that doesn't mean in the sight and presence. Okay? You can do that later for one of these. And handwritten wills are not really uncommon. Um, you know, they tend to be more open to will contests on the basis of undue influence, lack of capacity, fraud, ambiguous language, that kind of thing. But, you know, um, it's usually, you know, they're, they're kind of rare, but you see them from time to time. All right, when you talk about this lack of witnesses, a handwritten will, uh, you don't have to have the formal witnesses at the time of signing, okay? Now, you may feel like that's getting away with... Um, with you know the annoyance of organizing a formal will signing, well, that may be true, but unfortunately, they're also missing the primary importance of having witnesses. Okay, that's having a witness is evidence that the testators of sound mind and dispositive memory, and they were not being coerced in signing their name to the document, and that no one was forging their signature either. So, proving the proving the authenticity of a testator's handwriting eh, adds additional time and expense to the administration process of these holographic wills because it's that the witnesses are proving that it's his signature, okay? Remember I said the third requirement was the testator's signature must be proved by two witnesses. Um, <clears throat> sometimes the language in a handwritten will is vague. You know, conveying property through a will is kind of an artful process that developed over hundreds of years and handwritten wills are kind of held to the same standard but um, anyway, it's some, it usually is vague and ambiguous compared to what it could be if it were drafted in a formally attested will. Now, the last one is the non-cooperative will, or what we call an oral will. These are pretty much an oddity in Tennessee. They're recognized, but you don't see them much because it's just so limited in what, can, what they can do. Their power is very narrow. So Tennessee Code 32-106, um, you know, this is how they're created, how they're executed, and the validity of them. So here's the, here's the requirements in the statute. They can only be made by a person in eminent peril of death. And they're only valid if the person died of that peril. <laughs> okay? Now that's by itself, is a narrow limitation. You've got to be in eminent peril of dying. You've got to be absolutely convinced that you're dying. And you will have had to have died because of whatever you were worried about at the time. Or otherwise, the will is not valid. So if you're shot in the liver... You know you're bleeding out. You know you got 20 minutes to go. Uh, and you say, uh-oh, I'm going to scratch down on a piece of paper or on the floor or on the wall. 
um, my uh, last will and testament. Okay, you are in imminent peril of death, and if you die from that, it, it will be valid because of that. Okay, now, uh, the holographic will must be declared before two disinterested witnesses. So afterwards, you have to, you know, you, you know, they, these witnesses have to, um, um, I'm sorry, they must be declared before two disinterested witnesses. I mean, the witnesses have to, you have to have the witnesses. Now, now, the, the oral will has to be put into writing by one of the witnesses within 30 days. Okay, I, let me go over that again because I was getting a little tongue-tied. Um, when you do that, you have to do the, the oral will. You know, I mentioned you might want to scratch it out on the wall. This is an oral will I'm talking about, not a written will. So you're speaking it, okay? So you've got to have two witnesses there. But, so it's got to be declared, meaning the statement, the oral of the will, has, what you say has to be before two witnesses, and they have to be disinterested, meaning it can't be people you're leaving stuff to. So you can't really say the oral will to your wife and say, I'm leaving, by the way, I'm leaving everything to my wife. She's, not, she's now an interested witness, not disinterested. And then that one of those two witnesses has to reduce what you said to writing within 30 days. Then you've got to turn around and submit it to the probate process within six months. Okay, And here's the big one. Um, you can only dispose of less than $1,000 of personal property. Okay? And there's another caveat here that says an oral will cannot revoke or change an existing will. Uh, so it's very limited. You can't give away any real estate. It has to be personal property, not real. And if you already have a will, you know, it doesn't change that. You know, all wills always say in the first paragraph, this, this will supersedes all prior wills or codicils. Well, it doesn't work with your wills. Okay, I wanted to just briefly cover that, but there you have it. Those are the three kind of wills we have, formally executed, uh, holographic, and then um, the uh, non-cupative or the oral will. All right, so those are wills, okay? If you, no matter what kind of will you have, you're headed for probate. We established that, right? Because if you, if you have a will, you own your property in your individual name. And so, by definition, you are headed to probate, right? All right, now let me ask this question. If you may have asked yourself this question while you were listening to me. What if you pass away without a will? I mean, you know, some people, you know, 12% of you have wills. We call it 12% of you will die testate. The other 88% of the people will die intestate without a will. Now, if you pass away without a will, guess what? You are also headed for the probate process. Now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. You might say, gee, Stan, how can that be? I mean, how can someone who goes to all the time, energy, effort, expense to hire an attorney to make a will and they go through probate and someone who does nothing they go through the same probate process as somebody who does have a will well the answer is yes you go through if you don't have a will you're headed for the probate why is that well the answer is if you pass away without a will the state of tennessee writes one for you god bless them and it gets worse i mean it's already written the state of Tennessee has already decided who gets your assets and in what percentages, who your heirs are and what they get. It's called the laws of intestate secession. So dying without a will is like dying with a will. The only real difference between the two is if you have a will, you at least can give some direction of how you want your property to be distributed. Okay? 
if you you know, it's, look at it this way: it's got to go somewhere. Your stuff has to go somewhere. So you might as well have a will, at least a will. We're going to talk about a better option than a will, but you said at least something memorialized like a will, so that you can dictate where it goes. I mean, if the state of Tennessee is going to determine where it goes, I mean, that's usually never what you want. I mean, the only time that might work out the same is if you were a surviving spouse and you had a sole heir, like one son or one daughter and no deceased children. In that case, everything would go to where the laws of intestate succession would send it anyway. So, you know, so with a will, the laws of testate succession, without a will, the laws of intestate succession. But either way, you are going to probate. Absolute legal assurity. Because remember I said there were three possibilities the, you know, the, that you can have and only two possible outcomes. Well, those two possibilities have the same outcome, right? So if you have a will, you're going to probate. If you don't have a will, you're going to probate. So two of the three possibilities are going to one possible outcome, and that's probate. But I said there were three possibilities, and I said there was a second possible outcome. The third possibility is, the, is a trust-based plan. You know, a trust-based plan goes through private trust administration. The trust administration is something that's completely and totally different than probate. And, um, and trust administration never sees the inside of the courthouse. Okay, the big difference, the big difference is a will distributes property after death pursuant to the probate code. Okay, and the probate code is triggered by you owning property as you, the individual. Remember you folks that asked the question and said, well, gee, Stan, if I don't own it in my own name, whose name would I own it in? Okay. A trust distributes property after death pursuant to our trust code. And it, it deals if you own property as a trustee of a trust or it's in your trust, that triggers the trust code. Okay. I, that's getting a little legal, a little heavy. Just hang in there. Um, a trust is a 100% probate avoidance tool. So, all right. Let me – to talk a little bit more about the probate process before we get into trust. Can you've heard me mention the term probate several times now during this show, right? Quite a few times. Um, some of you may have even had some personal experience with probate, like actually going through it with somebody, or knew a friend that was going to go through it, or another family member that had to deal with it. Um, you know, if you're a person who has had any experience with the probate in any capacity whatsoever, okay, I'm willing to bet. You know, I'm willing to bet right now that it was not a pleasant experience. I mean, no, I've, nobody has ever – I've never heard anybody say, uh, hey, man, I went through probate and it was a blast, right? Nothing. I mean, if, that, if there's somebody out there, uh, I, I'd like to hear about it. But even – now, even, at the very best, at the very best, some folks said, I went through probate. And it wasn't too bad. It, but it's a, at the very best, it's an unpleasant experience, okay? At its worst, it's, a, it's, a, it's just a nightmare, it's just a nightmare. So anyway, by the time I'm finished, I think you'll agree with me that probate is definitely something to be avoided. So when we talk about a trust plan being a 100% probate avoidance plan, well, that's one of the things we want to accomplish. So I talk about probate. What is probate? Okay, good question. Now, if you, like I said before, if you Google the word probate, it's going to define it as you know, the proving or establishing of a will. Now, I was once asked to give my own definition of probate and, you know, English definition, English language, street vernacular uh, definition of what probate is. And here's what I came up with, okay? 
This is mine. You won't find this in the dictionary. But uh, a lawsuit, probate is a lawsuit you file against yourself with your own money for the benefit of your creditors. Okay, let me say that again. Probate is a lawsuit you file against yourself with your own money for the benefit of your creditors. Now, let me ask you something. Does that sound like something you want to avoid? I think so. I would think so. All right. Now, I know we're on radio, but when I do my seminars and I do presentations, I, I do it by PowerPoint, okay? And I put up an illustration that I'm going to have to describe because we're on radio and you can't see the PowerPoint. But um, on the um, uh, what, I usually put up a slide, and it has this, has a, this convoluted pipe has this pipe that starts in the upper left-hand corner of the slide. It ends up in the lower right. But in between, the pipe twists, it turns, it goes back on itself. It has valves in it, check valves. It has all kinds of encumbrances and blockages, basically representing a real torturous path. So if you were a chunk of fluid going through this pipe, I mean, you'd go you know, up, down, around, twist, turn, squeeze through a, a valve, and finally come out the other end. So it's a torturous path. And the beginning of the pipeline up in the upper left-hand corner represents the process of the beginning of opening up a probate case, okay? The lower right represents the end of the pipeline, which represents the closure of the estate some time later. All right, now I'm going to talk about probate. And this is where I would usually discuss the advantages and the disadvantages of probate. But in all honesty, I, I, I just can't think of any real advantages to it, to be honest. Uh, probate's a, a court process that's cumbersome. It's a procedure that's riddled with deadlines, duties, obligations. It just invites conflict. I mean, I, just don't, I have a little good to say about it. But I'm just going to discuss what I consider to be the main four disadvantages of the probate process. Now, I have done probate. I used to do it. I don't do it anymore. People call me often and say, hey, mom died. Can you do the probate? I say, I don't do probate. They say, what do you mean you don't do probate? You talk about probate all the time. I say, no, I talk about probate avoidance all the time. I don't do it. It consumes my office resources for a year or more. We're going to talk about the length of time it takes. So, all right, that brings us up on break number two, and we'll be back right after this. Stay with us on Bulletproof Estate Planning. Do you have a loved one who's either in long-term care or going to be soon? Are you worried about losing everything you own, everything that you've worked for your entire life? If so, we can still do crisis planning and protect the majority of your property. If you have a loved one in this situation, call me, Estate Plan Stan at Prochowski Estate Law. From a little information, I will generate a written report explaining how much property we can protect. Don't go broke just because you require long-term care. Call me, 931-363-7222. Looking for a fun event to take the family to? Harmon Scrap Metal is hosting an Easter egg hunt on April 8th from 2 to 4 p.m. at Woodland Park in the Fallen Heroes Shelter. This will be fun for the whole family. We will have food trucks, prizes, and photos with the Easter Bunny. Come on out and support local. Start times vary by age. Visit our Facebook page, Harmon Scrap Metal, for more information. 
time to put a Dodge in your garage. And at Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, you can count on us for all the muscle you need. We have a huge inventory to choose from, from the spine-tingling 2021 Dodge Charger SRT to the 2021 Dodge Challenger Superstock. You can even save time and buy online with our online shopping tool. Yep, at Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, we're flexing our Motor City muscle. You can count on us online at ColumbiaCDJR.com. Hi, Terry Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. When you think of diamonds, what do you think of? Rare, precious, timeless, sparkles like the sun. They are timeless and nothing like them on earth. Then do you think, where do I buy local to buy the perfect ring? Maybe a diamond pendant or earrings or maybe a new diamond band. Look no further. Tillis Jewelry carries all your diamond and jewelry needs. Stop by and see our wonderful collection. And remember, if you don't know your diamonds, know your jeweler. Tillis Jewelry, downtown Columbia. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hey, this is Trip Stoltz, owner and manager of Columbia Ace Hardware. Spring is here and we are ready. We carry a full line of steel, echo, and chandala yard equipment. We also have a great selection of grass seed, fertilizer, and garden supplies. With the most knowledgeable sales staff in southern middle Tennessee, come check us out at 112 East James Campbell Boulevard, Columbia, Tennessee. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years' experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. This is Terry Wilcox, a.k.a. The Chicken Man, a.k.a. T-Willie, and you're listening to 101.7 FM WKOM, Columbia, Tennessee. All right. Hey, welcome back from the break. You're listening to Bulletproof Estate Planning with your host, Estate Plan Stan. All right. Hey, listen, before the break, we were saying that uh, we're talking all about wills, last will and testament. And we talked about if you have a will, you're headed through probate. And if you don't have a will, you're headed through probate because the state of Tennessee writes one for you through the laws of intestate secession. Now, we talked all about going through probate on both of those situations. So let's talk a little bit about this probate process. And I told you that when I put up a slide, it's a big convoluted, torturous path of pipes and that sort of thing. So what I'm going to do is, you know, I, I don't have much good to say about probate. And I think at the end of the discussion, you'll agree with me. And I'm hoping to fit it all in. We got the wills in this session, but I'm probably going to not get everything in about probate. We'll see. 
But uh, I'm going to go over the four main disadvantages. Because I said I used to do probate. Don't do it anymore. And I don't do it anymore because of a lot of these things. But again, this process of probate is riddled, is riddled with deadlines, duties, obligations. Um, uh, it just invites conflict. Okay, keeps you. you know, it's being in court and being in conflict. It just is not a good thing, a good day when you're dealing with that. So, let's talk about the the four biggest disadvantages. Now, one thing is for pro the probate process is it takes a long time. Now, if you look at this pipe I have up here, and I said it starts in the upper left hand corner, and if that's the beginning of the probate estate, when you walk in and you say, "Hey, I want to open up probate estate," and you file the petition, pay the money record the will, that sort of thing. And down in the lower right hand, that's called distribution. And that's the end of the process when you're actually writing the checks and giving out all the assets just before closing the estate. That process in Tennessee, now there's no real statistics I can rely on. They're kind of all over the board. But statistically, and the best I can figure is it takes 12 to 16 months here in Tennessee from beginning to end. Now, when I used to do probate, the fastest one I ever did was 10 months. And I don't know if the stars were just lined up right or what, but uh, the creditors were in check. But it, it took 10 months to do. Now, typically, they take more than a year. And really, in Tennessee here, we call that a probate-friendly state. So probate takes a long time, and that's not because people are dragging their feet necessarily. I know there is a lot of that in probate, but um, it's by procedure. So I want to give you an example. Of, of part of the procedure that drags this process out. <clears throat> One thing is when you go up here in the upper left-hand corner of my slide, if I had a slide for you to look at, that represents the beginning of probate, the first thing that has to be done is we set out a four-month period to allow creditors to file the claim. And now that's, you know, that's, you know, everybody's seen that notice in a newspaper, notice to creditors, right? They post in the newspaper. Well, anybody that feels like they have a claim with the deceased has a four-month statutory period to file a claim. So basically, you don't do much for this four-month period, but kind of sit and wait. I mean, you sort of have to wait for all the claims to come in because you don't know what the estate's going to owe, right? And you don't want it to become insolvent. You can't have one one file and pay them off and then have enough not enough to pay the others. So, you know, so that's unfair to the creditors. They all have 120 days to file a claim. So claim one that comes in on day one is just as valid as the claim that comes in on day 120, right? So, um, so I mean, uh, and then after that, there's a couple of months where the estate evaluates the claims. And, you know, if somebody, if you decide not to pay a claim, they get to have a hearing. So you decide which one's going to pay, which ones you're not. Uh, if there's one with no merit and you decide not to pay it, well, they may want to have a hearing. They're entitled to that. And that gets scheduled and uh, that takes time, Okay. Then we move into things called the executor's final report, the inventory, uh, the actual distribution process. All this put together, you know, takes 12 to 16 months. That's how you get out from out to about a year is all these procedural things. Now, it, when I say 12 to 16 months, you can't even close an estate in less than a year. But let me define that year. When a person passes away, Creditors' rights. So, if you're somebody that deceased owes money to, I mean, you know, let's take an example. Let's say you got, a, you took out a loan, personal signature loan for five thousand dollars. You paid half of it back and you passed away. So, you got a creditor for the balance, so twenty five hundred, right? 
their rights, the right of that creditor, exists and is available, or let me put it this way, does not expire until 12 months after death, not 12 months from opening the probate process. And all truth be told, that's why the fastest one I ever, <clears throat> I ever did took 10 months. We opened it a couple months after death. Okay, so, But 12 months after death there is when their rights expire. So you really can't close the estate until that period. Now, it might not be 12 months of the actual probate process because a lot of probate doesn't get filed for a month or two after death. So, but anyway, you got these credit, you know, you got all, and that's just, you know, that's the procedure. All these things that have to happen. There's a whole lot more to it. I'm not going to go through that in the radio show because it sounds too much like a, uh, a law lecture. But I mean, it's all codified. You can look it up in Tennessee Code Annotated. You can read it. Everything's got a deadline to it. Uh, everything's adversarial. Everything you do, everybody's got to be put on notice. You know, you got to send a copy of the will to all the people named in the will. You got to let them know what's coming their way, what they've left. You got people that may not like what they're getting and want to contest it. You may people that have been left out that want to contest it. That happens a lot. So you know, you know, we you know, we talked about that four month period. So you know, it's again, it's just this procedural uh, probate code. That's what governs all this. So now, let me ask you this. If you've got some wealth and you want to, you know, your goal is to leave it to the people you love to, so, to take care of it so they can be taken care of, right? Uh, people who could use it, you know, or if you have minor children, people who, who need it, you know, or special needs children that you know, need your, your money to survive off of, live off of, um, that sort of thing. Wouldn't it be better for them to get it pretty timely after something happened to you? rather than waiting like a year to a year and a half later? You know, like I said, what if you had a special needs child? I mean, that's a very specific situation. I mean, shouldn't those funds be available now instead of a year from now? I mean, I think so. I mean, probate just takes a long time. And again, we're a probate-friendly state compared to Pennsylvania. Remember I told you about my folks in episode one about my folks? It took them two years and four months. It was just a pretty basic estate. You know, and if anybody wants to complain or contest what they get, the time period just goes uphill from there, okay? Hey, I'm about out of time. Listen, if what you heard this week has piqued your interest, I'm glad. My mission is to get the message out that when it comes to estate planning, you have options. You have lots of options. So if you've got any questions about your own family circumstances, I'm more than happy to take the time to answer. Call my office at 931 931- 363-7222 or go to my website estateplanstand.com and set up one of my 15-minute phone calls. That way my time and attention is dedicated to your questions. Upcoming seminars, April the 22nd, Saturday at 10 a.m. the WLX radio station, the Country Cafe there in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee, Will's Trust in the Nursing Home. May 24th, Wednesday at 1 p.m., at 405 West 7th Street in Columbia. Again, same seminar, Wills, Trusts, and the Nursing Home. So remember, doing nothing has a predictable result. So thanks for listening. Hope you enjoy this show as much as I enjoy doing it. I'll be back on Front Porch Radio, WKOM 101.7, next Saturday night at 7 o'clock p.m. for the next episode of Bulletproof Estate Planning. And I am... Estate Plan Stan. See you next week.
the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Under the green flag now, Justin Allgaier on the inside. Heads to Dega. This is a prime opportunity for Josh Berry, and he has risen to the occasion. Who will prevail down the Alabama gang super stretch? John Hunter Nemechek down to the inside of Chandler Smith off turn four. Chandler Smith has the momentum. It's the Ag Pro 300. 2.30 Saturday, April 22nd on WKOM 101.7 FM. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at tenpin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. For the love of the climb. For the love of the fall. For the love of knowing your kids' laughter is the sweetest music there is. For the love of Tennessee. Travel safe. Brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Tourist Development, the Tennessee Association of Broadcasters, and this station. Fun is in full bloom, Tennessee, and the multiplier instant games are buzzing in. These colorful tickets offer chances to multiply your wins 10, 20, 50, and even 100 times. It's a beautiful day for bigger and bigger prizes, and they're right for the picking right now. Find the multiplier instant games today at your nearest Tennessee Lottery retailer, only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Tennessee's natural sounds come alive in the spring. There's the bark of the red fox, the growl of the American black bear, the hoot of the great horned owl. And what's this? All right! Oh my, it's the howling of a Tennessee lottery player who's just won big. Heed the call to top prizes of up to $500,000 when you play the all-new instant games this spring. Find them at your nearest Tennessee lottery retailer today. Only from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Hey, this is Lewis Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in Middle Tennessee, 101.7 FM, WKOM.